Welcome to episode 80, although this is going to go as 81. We had a special episode last week for my buddy Stephen Horney uh, promoting a program he was putting together for clinicians last week, and uh, hopefully you guys got to attend that. Uh, if not, that's going to be available at some point, and hopefully you can check him out with his eight foundations of health. But this episode, we are joined by F. Scott Feel, uh, and that he is, in fact, named after F. Scott Fitzgerald, which I wondered about and we confirmed here on this podcast. So uh, very cool. And we get into it. Physical therapist talks about multiple streams of income, especially with PTs these days. Reimbursements have gone down. This is an interesting career path. Uh, I've certainly, if you've listened to me, found hybrid ways to get things going. So this gets into a lot of that. I'm excited for you guys to listen in. If you're a PT, if, especially if you know anyone kind of feeling stuck, um, feeling financially uh, stressed around the profession and the long-term implications of that, I've had a few conversations with friends uh, over the last few weeks separate from this, that uh, offline, but uh, there's definitely that feeling out there. So I hope you get a lot, a lot out of this. I got at least 1% better. I hope you do too. Let's dig into it. And we are, oh, there we are. We are live. Episode 8080 of Bono Stuff, joined by F. Scott Feel. Feel good. That's what we're trying to do, make you feel good. All he does is win, win, win. This is the remix. I hope that, that's okay. And uh, where Absolutely. are you located again, F. Scott? Is, do, do you go F. Scott or just Scott? Yeah, or F. Scott. F. Scott, Scott, either or is fine. My dad named me after F. Scott Fitzgerald, obviously, but his first yeah. name is Francis, and he didn't want to name me that, so he just left it as the letter <laughs> F, which nice. uh, like thanks for Homer that, Pop. Thing. He yeah. found out his middle name was J, J. started with a J, and it was J-A-Y. Yeah, very good, very good. So you're over in Florida by St. Augustine? Well, so the campus, the original campus is in St. Augustine. I actually teach at the Austin campus now. So I live in Wimberley, just outside of Austin in the hill country of Texas. Okay. All right. I almost went to St. Augustine. I don't know, almost, but I did apply there. Uh, I like that whole PTOT dual degree they were offering. It was pretty yep. unique back back in the day. Uh, but yeah, so you are the PT educator. That's your, your uh, title. Um, and we would love to dive into what that means. And, and uh, again, trying to change the face of healthcare. I think that's, that's an understatement. Yeah. Um, <laughs> tell, yeah. tell us about uh, what, what brought you there a little bit quick journey. And I uh, got, we got some, we got some meat and potatoes we got to get to. Yeah. So, uh, you know, my journey into physical therapy was obviously not uh, the straight and narrow, like everybody, you know, go to undergrad kinesiology or bio or exercise physiology, whatever. And then right into PT school. Right. I was an English major at Wake Forest, so uh, I, you know, didn't want to write, didn't want to edit, didn't want to teach, so I didn't know what I was going to do after I graduated. So uh, luckily, senior year, I'd already finished all my major courses. All I had left was golf, bowling, and intro to Japan, so <laughs> I uh, had a ton of free time, and uh, I volunteered at the hospital there in Winston-Salem, and they put me in the physical therapy department. I was uh, filing away, you know, home exercise programs and uh, putting, you know, a bunch of charts together for them, and you know, I really looked at what they were doing. I was like, oh, this is cool. I could do this, you know. Um, and then I looked at the prereqs and I was like, nope, 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 don't have that, don't have that. So graduated in four years with a BA in English, uh, ended up taking another year or two worth of math and science before I eventually got into a master's program in physical therapy at ECU. 
I started the transitional doctorate there, uh, but then my dad had some health problems, ended up passing away, and my, my window of opportunity to finish the TDPT there closed. So I then had to go and started again at uh, University of St. Augustine. Luckily, they took a bunch of my credits for uh, from ECU to transfer. So I uh, finished my TDPT there at St. Augustine. And while I was there, the head of the EDD program said, hey, are you interested in teaching ever? And I said, no, nah, I really wasn't. My dad was an English teacher. And you know, I sat in on a bunch of his classes and those kids were dicks. I didn't want to deal with that. So, uh, and he talked me into it, you know, he's like, look, adult education's different. They're paying to be here. They want to learn the content. So like, you know, you should consider it. And I thought, yeah, you know, if my hands give out or my back goes out or whatever, uh, you know, it could be something good to fall back on when I retire, you know? Well, fast forward a couple of years and all of a sudden, uh, you know, COVID hits and I'm working clinical two and a half, full-time jobs almost uh, in clinical. And I was like, ah, oh, this isn't sustainable. So I slowly backed my way out of that and uh, got myself into academia. And, you know, the rest is is history. You know, I kind of been teaching for the last year, year and a half. Uh, I love it. I love what I do. Uh, but everything that I do, even outside of academia and my nine to five job, all, all of my, uh, my stuff is under an umbrella of healthcare education, really, you know, uh, I've always loved educating. I love teaching what I want to teach, when I want to teach, how I want to teach it. Uh, so academia puts a little bit of a handcuff on me there with that. But overall, uh, I like the act of teaching. I like the act of knowledge translation and, and trying to help people understand and, and, you know, the story, the art of storytelling, if you will, that goes into really becoming a, a decent teacher, you know. And so, you know, with PT Educator, it uh, originally had started as a, you know, physical therapist and educator for the public, you know, to try to teach them what we do and, and how they can better themselves. Uh, through, you know, physical therapy. Um, it kind of worked its way up to like, you know, a uh, part-time educator, you know, and, and, and then maybe prime-time educator. If uh, those of you are Deion Sanders fans out there, prime-time, uh, you know, but but at the end of the day, I think, you know, it, it really just, uh, it came down to loving teaching and loving the, the act of education. And so the handle had had kind of taken many different forms over the years, but at the end, it's it's all just about uh, education and trying to help people become the, the best version of themselves that, that I can. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for, for that. And one of the, how many podcasts are you co-host of at this point? Three. Yeah. So I've, I, yeah, I've, I've I backed it down a little bit. Uh, the The healthcare education transformation podcast is our main one, right? Which kind of goes into uh, academia and how, uh, you know, uh, the healthcare academia scene is a little bit of a broken system, and it eventually leads into a broken healthcare system. And we're trying to fix that. Uh, so, you know, we're getting uh, the experts on to talk about what they think is broken about it and how they would go about fixing it. Yeah. Uh, and then the Professors of Profit uh, vlogcast, which is now becoming its podcast version as well. Uh, is is more about side hustles and side gigs that healthcare professionals should look into uh, to help supplement their income. So those are the two main ones. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of just sticking those two mm -hmm. out and riding them out into the sunset, I think, because uh, nice. I really enjoy those. So so I'm going to I'm going to turn the tables on you. And I don't know if anyone else has done this to you. But uh, at the end of your healthcare transformation education podcast, H.E.T., we'll call it from HET, HET, yeah. Uh, we're going to ask you the question that you ask everybody at the end. So you've asked this to a bunch of people now. So maybe you can give us a summation of uh, kind of like Tim Ferriss does. He asks a lot of the same questions and then he tries to summarize some of that. So maybe you got a good answer for this is, is uh, the question you ask them and we're turning the tables to you is if you could change one aspect of higher education, what would you change? 
Yeah, I mean, the number one most given answer is cost, right? Uh, that That's obviously the debt-to-income ratio for physical therapists specifically is bad and getting worse, but that goes throughout most of healthcare, truth be told. And so that's actually what spurred my book, right? The uh, PT Educator Student Debt Eliminator. Uh, I, I wrote that book because I figured if the number one answer is, is cost and we have to change cost, then I, I've got to at least figure out a way that I can give back to the community uh, and, and show them how we can make more money, right? Because at the end of the day, there's only two ways to address your, your, your student loans and your, your debt, right? And you can either budget and cut corners and figure out how to squeeze the, you know, the budget down as much as you can, right? By not buying that $5 latte every day or whatever, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Or there's the other end of the spectrum where you make more income, right? Those are the only two options. And there's no amount of coffees that you can cut out of your budget that's going to help you pay down your student loans quicker or more efficiently. There's just not. So really, the only option is to make more money, right, to, to generate more income. And so I think realistically, you know, there's a ton of ways to go out there and make more income. We just have to think outside of the nine to five. We need to think outside of that uh, clock in, clock out as a therapist and think of all the things we've learned, our knowledge base, right? And I, I, I think the skills that we learn throughout the DPT programs serve us very well. We can do a lot of organizational stuff. We can do a lot of prioritization. We can do a lot of things that help us because we educate all day, every day, right? All of us are educators, especially with patients. You know, I feel like most of my day was spent educating patients. So if, if, if I went home and I had a voice left at the end of the day, I know I probably didn't do a good enough job of educating that day, right? And, and you're talking about somebody who doesn't necessarily like to hear him speak, right? I, I don't like to hear my own voice, so. What are you, you know. I'm gonna call you out on that because <laughs> I, I heard you say you wanna be a voiceover actor, so. It, it, it would be a possibility, <laughs> but it wouldn't be my voice we'd be using, trust me. It would be, uh, you know, some form of cartoon character for sure. So, all right, all right. Uh, you know, but, but yeah, like, you know, it's just one of those things where I feel like it, it, it really is a good portion of our job is to educate. Yeah. Yeah. And just quick, quick uh, shout out from one of our live uh, listeners here from Scott, a guy I played high school football with Scott saying, not a lot of people truly want to help people not only to get better, but to truly understand it. Thanks for what you do. So I assume that's going to you, maybe me. I don't know, Scott, I appreciate you. Too. I think it's physical therapists in general. <laughs> Yeah. So the question that leads me to, uh, my, I'm going to try to make it as controversial as possible. That's, that's what I like to do. I'm a Brooklyn guy from, uh, you know, New York, that whole mm -hmm. thing. So you talk about the, the debt to income ratio and for anyone not familiar, let's go through some of those real quick numbers. So easily, I mean, I graduated in 2008. Uh, I know you were in school for 13 years with <laughs> many, many different things going on, but, yep. uh, I came out of school with a little over a hundred thousand dollars in debt. Uh, that included my undergrad and graduate school. And that was in 2008. Uh, it's not uncommon for folks to have closer to $200,000 in debt right now. Starting salary nationwide in, in here in America for physical therapists, let's say between 60 and 70,000. Would you, would you agree with that? Th that kind of range? Yep. Numbers are pretty close. Yeah. So, and again, you can, you can do travel PT and probably make a little bit more uh, different things you can do to, 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 to make more. And again, Scott, uh, I, I know I was, I had to look up some of your older podcasts, uh, looking up some of your stuff. And I know you were doing, you had a, a list of a hundred different kind of side gigs and hustles. And, uh, one of the episodes I heard you, you were only on week two of that. That was back in 2020. Did you keep up with that? Is there, you have the, <laughs> yeah. So the professors of profit vlogcast uh, goes through 
um, we interview somebody every week from that list of 100. So the list can be found at pteducator.com backslash 100, 100. Most of them have one foot in the boat of healthcare, uh, but not all of them. I mean, one of them was a dog walker, right? And uh, we just interviewed somebody who's a PT, a home health therapist, but also does dog walking in between her patients. And so the Professors of Profit vlogcast, uh, which started out as a YouTube channel, is now also going to be the podcast version, interviews somebody every week on, you know, somebody doing that side side hustle or side gig, right? Right. Uh, COVID obviously hit and took took a, a major chunk out of my, my time and my everyday living uh, <laughs> routine. So, it, you know, we, we kind of lost a couple of episodes along the way, uh, but we're, we're at episode 30 now. So we're back on track. We're still doing one a week. Uh, as far as the list goes, we were trying to keep it in order, but that kind of got nixed as well, just because it's hard to find people uh, doing that specific thing on that specific week. So uh, I'm just trying to get all 100 finished and then throw in a couple of extra special episodes that are not on the list that maybe didn't even exist when I started this thing, right? Some crypto traders, some NFT traders, things like that, that like, what even is that? That didn't exist two years ago, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, yeah, the, the goal is still the same. We're still trying to interview the, the list of 100 people that are doing different side hustles and side gigs for healthcare practitioners that are a little bit outside the box, a little bit different. Um, and then we're also adding in some, some extra special episodes along the way. And then after we're done with that list of hundred, we'll try to keep it going and just have, you know, people doing interesting side hustles and side gigs that utilize, hopefully their skill sets or, you know, whatever they went to school for in the healthcare profession. Awesome. Awesome. So coming back to that question, the debt to income uh, situation that is physical therapy. And I'll, I'll share that I, I was relatively lucky uh, with with uh, being in New York City, very expensive place to be after graduating school and exploring some cool job opportunities, all sorts of stuff. Uh, I was able to pay off my student debts, I believe, within like 10 years of graduating. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, uh, I, I probably and then and that's another question here is. Uh, I think, you know, the, the overall feel I get from you is let's let's uh, pay it off as soon as we can. Right. We don't want to be in debt versus I'm going to my mother's advice. My mother's uh, we, we were immigrants from Russia, communist Russia. So, uh, you know, uh, she, she her advice became, dude, look at the system. She was an accountant also for people. So she, I think she understood finances pretty well. So but her advice to me was do the minimum payments. And obviously I didn't listen to that because I'd be still paying off, uh, you know, my, my debt for another 20 years, but maybe I'd have more money saved. I could have more money I could be buying NFTs with or whatever. So that, that's the question is, is uh, in terms of minimum payments for those with that student debt, uh, you know, you seem to be pushing, get it all paid off as, much, as fast as possible uh, versus just pay off the minimum and, and, you know, eat the interest and it's going to work out with the uh, inflation and things like that going over time. So uh, where, where do you stand on all that? Yeah. So originally the book was written to help pay off the student loans as quick as possible. Right. Uh, just I, my goal was to have the, I had five or six different side gigs going all at once, you know, and they all kind of fell under the umbrella of three real businesses. And, uh, you know, I was just going to take large chunks of money and keep throwing it at the student loans, throwing it at the student loans. Right. I, 
uh, if let, let's backtrack it for a minute. I went to a private school for undergrad. I went to a state school for my master's and then a private school again for the TDPT and the EDD. Right. And had I to do it all over again, you know, same thing being from New York, I would have started out at a community college, then went to a SUNY state school for undergrad for those last two years, then probably a SUNY school for, you know, PT school had I to do it all over again. But I don't know I was kind of sold the lie, go to the best school, get the best degree, get the best job, you know, that kind of thing. So, right? uh, let me interject real quick. I think yeah. that is an awesome takeaway is at the end of the day, you know, uh, somewhat uh, of the, the old school cliche is what what is uh, the, 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 the lowest grade doctor or the guy who finishes last in the rankings from medical school or physical yeah. therapy school or whatever the school is, um, you're getting the same education, um, you yeah. know, and, and uh, I, I just actually heard a comedian talk about that same exact thing. You know, at, at community college, they're like, well, back in the day, there was a civil war and that at these prices, that's all we can tell you. Uh, you know, like, <laughs> so it, 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 you're going to get the same education information. Um, you know, I don't think there's ever going to be anything that says somebody from USC, uh, which is one of the most expensive schools in the world and very highly ranked, is necessarily uh, a better physical therapist or turns out to be on average a better physical therapist than somebody from Hunter College in New York City, which is one of the, as far as I know, one of the lowest cost programs uh and I, I think you mentioned there's 222 physical therapy programs in there was when i started the book it's expanded now to i think we're in between 240 and 250 now okay yeah, yeah. so that's that's an interesting thing yeah. prices don't seem to be going down that's a whole nother part of that so right um go ahead so if I, if I had to do it all over again, that's the path I would take. And I'm going to preach that to my kids and I hope they listen. Right. Yeah. But again, the, the goal was when I wrote the book was all right, you know, paid off, take responsibility for it. Right. Realize that, Hey, it is what it is. You took the student loans out, but you have a pretty decent job and a good starting point. Let's find ways to supplement that to then pay it off as quick as possible. Well, after talking to a, fin a certified financial planner who was really well-versed in student loans, he gave the other alternative, which is why my, I have a second edition coming out now to talk about that because neither one is right or wrong. It's whatever works for you and your specific life plan and what your goal is. Some people just want that debt off their shoulders as quick as possible. And now that you're debt-free from that, you're feeling probably good about everything moving forward. Some people want to play the other side of the coin, like you said, and let's let's pay the bare minimum for 20 years and invest a little bit on the side so that at the end of those 20 years, when I, when I am forgiven that amount that's left, that comes back to you as taxable income. That's how they forgive the student loan after 20 years is that, you know, it's a federal loan. And at the end of it, you know, let's say there's a hundred thousand left, you get forgiven that hundred thousand, but you have to pay as if you made that money that year. So it's like a one year after 20 years, that last year is taxable income. And so you have to have, you know, be putting some money away to pay the tax on that forgiveness amount. So, Again, either way works. It's just a matter of what what is your plan? What do you want to do with it? And for me, it actually changed my mindset on things after talking to the financial planner. And my payments were originally, uh, I think it was $1,700 a month for just straight up payments. Then it dropped down to $700 a month for um, uh, uh, income-driven repayment plan, the IDR. Then it dropped down to $135 a month for revised pay-as-you-earn plan. And that's mm -hmm. the lowest one I could get it, spread it out over 20 years, and then get it forgiven on that 20th year and pay the tax on it. So that's the plan. I'm trying to take the difference between the $700 and the $135 and invest it into things that are going to make me money along the way mm -hmm. so that when that 20th year comes, I'm covered no matter what. Now, in between now and then, if I happen to have big chunks of money that I want to put toward it, I end 
ended up, I think, with uh, 140,000 when I graduated and two doctoral degrees, a master's degree and a bachelor's degree, right? Not bad from an ROI standpoint as far as like things I've been able to do with it. And we'll talk about that, I'm sure, in a little bit. But the way I've leveraged it has made it, you know, seem like it's going to be worth it in the long run. But I've worked with people through my masterclass that are coming out with $150,000, $200,000, $250,000 worth of student loan debt as a DPT and making seventy-five dollars to $85,000 a year right out of school. Now, those numbers don't work. That debt to income ratio does not work. And you're upside down before you even start. So you've got to, you know, you really have to talk to a certified financial planner and that's not me. I'm not that guy, but you have to talk to someone and it's not just any certified financial planner. It has to be one that really knows about student loans and the different payment plans, because there's about eight to 10 different repayment plans for federal loans. Uh, and, and they all work and they're all specific to your individual life plan. Cause some of them are better for couples that are married. Some are better for couples that are not quite married yet, but plan to be. Some are better for individuals. You know, it, it's just very different for everybody. So you really have to know and understand the difference in those payment plans to be able to pick the right one for you and then just stick with your plan. Once you have the plan, that's when I come in. After you've got your plan, your blueprint, your roadmap, and you're sticking with it and you're going with it, then let's find some ways to, to increase your income and, and your revenue streams. And then let's start chipping away at it after that. Yeah. One other fun fact, when I paid off uh, my student debt, which was a nice moment, I got that screenshot. Congrats. You know, you paid off your thing. Uh, I did not know this, that your credit score takes a huge hit uh, because now yeah, you, you no don't have the have debt. debt, which is a, one of the main uh, ways they calculate a credit score. So if you're planning to, if you don't know that, now you know. Uh, and, and, uh, for those out there. And then if you do, um, if you're planning to again, buy a car, buy it, you know, buy a house, get a big loan, any of that, your credit score obviously is pretty important for that stuff. So keep that in mind. Uh, we ended up, uh, buying a car and then having monthly payments, uh, which we had, we got a really good deal on that, but now, now we have more debt. So now we, we are back. Credit score came back up. Awesome. Um, and, 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 and that is part of the mission. And again, a privileged place to be of always trying to work on the, the highest possible credit score, uh, is another, another component to that versus, uh, yeah, saving some of that money and doing some different things that might not be as favorable for a credit score. Um, but yeah, that's a different piece. So I'm going to throw it back to you. Uh, you mentioned talking to your kids and, and you know, what you just went through and you only graduate again. I, I heard you joke about this on another podcast. You're, you're, re you're a relatively new grad, um, <laughs> despite 13 years of being in school. Yeah. 2018 was when I finished, finished for good. That's when I finished my educational doctorate. Uh, so that, yeah, 2018 is, is, you know, relatively new grad in, yeah. in those, those terms. But, uh, yeah. yeah, it was, uh, I graduated high school, 97 undergrad in 01, uh, grad school in 06. Uh, then the TDPT was 2011 and then the EDD was 2018. So I spread it out over, you know, a, a nice long couple of years there, but, uh, was, it was a heck of a run. I can tell you that much. Had a lot of fun. That's awesome. And so the question I'm going to throw to you, even though you had fun with it, is somebody today is looking to go to physical therapy school and they have their bachelor's degree. Um, would you advise them to pursue that physical therapy degree? Or do you think at this point there's better paths to go? Uh, obviously, there's a lot of uh, variation there. We're talking very general, but I'd love to hear. Uh, and I've been asked that question a lot. I have my own answers on that. And uh, yeah. That, especially with that debt to income uh, ratio, uh, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, if you're doing it for like the the prestige and the being in the healthcare field or whatever, I, you know, I think maybe nurse practitioner or PA is a better route to go. It's shorter. It's you know two years or so, and 
you know, if you do it right, you, you know, especially, but if, if PT is where you want to go because it's a calling for you and you just feel drawn and compelled to it, then yeah, I say for sure, go for it. However, do try to keep in mind the different pathways to get there. Try to find the cheapest way, like we said, you know, and, and again, it doesn't matter what school you go to. Literally no employer has ever asked me, you know, what school did you go to? What were your, what was your GPA? Blah, blah, blah. They ask, do you have a license to practice physical therapy? Right. Okay, great. You're hired. You know, right. it's, they, they just want to see that you have the degree and you have the license and then boom, you're off and running. You know, they're hiring you because you're a safe practicing, you know, physical therapist at that point, you're a practitioner ready to go, uh, you know, and then you can get better and improve along the way. Uh, you know, if you have certain specialties or areas you want to go into, then that's, you know, time to do that with CEUs and other courses and things like that, right? And mentorship. But if you're really truly drawn to physical therapy, I say, yeah, go for it. But then A, try to figure out the cheapest route and the fastest route to get it done, right? There's some programs now that are two-year programs, right? That are hybrid versions that are coming out left and right, right? But I think you also need to think of a plan of how you're going to use it. And like we talked about earlier, leverage the degree, right? Yeah. If you're going to get a doctorate in physical therapy, that's great. You know, I think a lot of people like to hear the term doctor. They feel, you know, comfortable and, and you know, safe with somebody who's got their doctorate in physical therapy. But a lot of the general public doesn't really know about the letters after your name. They don't really care. They want to know, can you solve my problem? Are you the solution? You know, are you the answer to my issue? Right. right. And as long as you can a per perform that and give them what they need to be the answer and the solution. Right. And B, you know, you can market that pretty well then the letters after your name don't really matter too much. But if you've got a plan in mind, if you've got a population or a niche that you really want to work with and you're just gung-ho on that's my, my go-to, start early. Start as a student. Start producing content. Put all the information that you know out there, even as a student, and then show your journey along the way of how you're learning more and more and more and getting more proficient with this population that you love working with. And, and just go all in on that and just don't stop. Don't look back. And once you get your degree and once you get the license and once you've been practicing with that population for a little while, if you want to start branching out little by little and, and, and expanding your, your population base, totally fine, can be done. You've got to change your marketing message a little bit. But like, you know, if, if you truly love it, you want to work with one population in particular, go for it. You know, it'll, it'll, it'll pay off in, in dividends down the line for sure. But I guess that's my question. If somebody knows they want to do that. For, I'm going to use myself as an example. Maybe you uh, we, we'll make this a case study of me um, for anyone who's followed along my episodes. And I don't know how much you know about my whole story, uh, but the the I've actually been running away from the term physical therapist. Um, and I don't I wouldn't say I have buyer's remorse about the degree. Again, uh, you know, it definitely opened up a lot of doors since uh, I graduated in 2008. I got to work for celebrities and travel internationally and do all these cool things and connect with all sorts of amazing people. Um, so I, I, I don't have regrets about getting my doctor in physical therapy. But when someone asked me about that situation, as you just did, uh, I look at my, my, what I'm doing now. Um, and I heard you talk with some life coaches and, and things like that. And again, I do a lot of health wellness, uh, coaching that, that kind of is within some of these gray areas, functional medicine. You don't need, it's not a very well-regulated term, nor is life coach. Um, so there's definitely much cheaper options, uh, especially if, you're just like, hey, I want to work with somebody at this high level. I'm really good at this one thing. Uh, even within the physical therapy space, you can become a personal trainer, do corrective exercise, and become really good at postpartum. Uh, you, you, you're not allowed to do hands-on stuff, maybe, 
but if that if that's your passion, sure, there's different things you could do there. But uh, there's there's a lot of avenues like you're talking about. So um, I guess the question becomes, uh, you know, for for me again, I've, being someone who's run away from that physical therapy title based on what I've transformed to do and trying to change fitness, trying to change healthcare, uh, trying to change how people seek out uh, relief for long-term back pain, uh, things like that. You know, it's, it's, it's something that I don't think I needed my degree for. Maybe it does help to have that doctor in front of my name, wherever it is here. Um, but, you know, there's just so many other avenues and so many people that I see that, that are uh, able to do it in so many different ways. And even when I have these conversations with folks, I just talked to one of the top personal trainers, I would say in, in the fitness space, uh, on, uh, one or two episodes ago, Andrew Coates up in Canada. And, uh, you know, he, he was, uh, he, he was deferring to me as like the rehab guy. And I'm like, I don't, I don't really do that. Um, so I feel like, you know, I don't like getting stereotyped into that. So I don't know what my question is here. Uh, but <laughs> I guess the case study for me becomes, you know, uh, in terms of, I think it's different to separate, like you're, we're, we're kind of going down the path of separating earning potential. Cause as a personal trainer, you can, you can earn six figures pretty easily. Um, probably easier than most physical therapists can without having to do all the side hustles. You know, you just need to kind of figure your way out, build your reputation. Again, it might take a certain amount of years. Um, but you know, it, it might be harder to have, uh, benefits. That's a whole different thing. I know you talked in episodes about having, uh, you know, the benefits and, and, and how important that was for you. So understanding that, uh, there's a lot of different ways to think about it. And, and, you know, we, again, it's great to talk about, uh, uh, the other Scott here in the comments talked about how great it is that we're truly trying to help people. Um, but yeah, I, I'm going to be a little skeptical about that and say a lot of people entering the profession, they, they, they get into it for that, but then they get caught up in this system that, it's, it's like, great, but we could be doing so much more. And now there's research showing, like, you can just do an at-home workout program and it's going to be the same. If not, you're going to get better outcomes for total hip replacements or, and, and certain surgeries and things like that. So uh, there's, a, there's a lot of interesting apps. I just rambled on for a few minutes. I'm going to let you go with whatever's on your mind. Yeah, so a lot to unpack there, right? Like, I've, I've yeah. followed your journey for a while. I love what you're doing. I love the stuff that's out there. And I kind of liken you a little bit to, like, a, a Kelly Starrett, right, who he's been educating people from Mobility Wad to now the Ready State for years, right? And he did it with a doctorate in physical therapy, but every year he's ready to let that thing lapse. Like, he just doesn't care anymore. He's It's not his thing. He doesn't do physical therapy. He just educates on general health, wellness, stretching, strengthening, just the basics, right? And he's done it very successfully. And, you know, again, I think to, to that point, physical therapy as a profession and having that professional license can be very limiting, right? I, I call it, you know, like the golden handcuffs. Like there's times where there's things that you can't do because of your physical therapy license, right? Whereas a personal trainer can do whatever the hell they want. They're not held to some higher accountability and they can just, you know, Hey, you got a calf strain, do a hundred, you know, uh, heel lifts. It's like, well, really? Cause that's not something I would do with my patient, you know, but you know, we're, you know, to each his own. Right. So it's like, okay, well the knowledge that we gained, right. And, and the, the, the journey that we went through to get that doctorate, right. I like to look at it as this, regardless of whether you feel that it's worth it or not, or that the, you know, you got your ROI or, or your, you know, your money was well spent. I think it's more important to ask, okay, now what, right? Like, what can I do with this? Right. And it, again, it all comes back to that word of leverage. How can you leverage the DPT or your degree 
to best suit your needs and what you're trying to accomplish. Right. And so for me, the biggest thing was like the EDD. I started that because I thought I could fall back on it. Should I, you know, retire and I needed something to do, I could teach. Right. And I, I get three quarters of the way through the EDD program and I'm having some major doubts and some major issues. And I'm just, I'm like, I have a hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt already. This will add another 40 on top of that. What, and I don't even want to teach right now. What am I doing with my life? Like, why did I agree to this? Right. This, and I have a dissertation looking me in the face. Like, that's not great. That's not a good scenario. And luckily I talked to a bunch of my, my mentors and like uh, some in the world of physical therapy, some in the world of business and every single one of them had the same basic general takeaway message. And it was like, as long as you leverage it appropriately, you can do whatever the heck you want to do. Right. I, I use Jimmy McKay as a great uh, example, right? The PT Pinecast. He's literally a physical therapist who is a radio DJ. That didn't exist. That, that wasn't a thing. He just made it into a thing. He was already a radio DJ back in the day. He loved doing it. He loved helping people got into physical therapy school, graduated, worked a little bit. But at the same time, he felt like his calling was was back into being a radio DJ a little bit. And he was, you know, better served doing that and was able to help more people doing that. Now he's got a physical therapy based podcast with millions of downloads. And it's like what he's doing and how he's using his knowledge and skill set is still helping a ton of people, right? Uh, and he's been able to then move it forward and monetize it, right? So, like, again, he's got a full-time job as a physical therapist radio DJ. How many patients does he see? Not that many, you know, if any at all. I, I don't, I don't think he sees any at all. I think he actually took a job as a consultant uh, doing the media for uh, one of the big groups over there in New York, bigger mm -hmm. clinic group. But, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, you know, it, it can be done. Whatever you want to do. And, and again, it's like very cliche to be like, hey, just follow your dreams, kids. You know, you can do it, whatever you want. But it's true. You can literally turn your doctoral degree into anything you want to be. And it, even if you have to play within those limitations and restrictions, um, find the ways to do that, right? Find the gray areas, you know? And I think the biggest thing for me with the DPT and the EDD is the network that I've been able to create to find answers to these things that I'm just not sure about, you know? So if I'm looking to follow, let's say, let's just take, I don't know, let's, let's take a made up case study here, right? Let's say I'm a physical therapist and I only treat cheerleaders, right? That's just my demo. That's who I love. You know, I've been a, a cheerleader since high school and that's who I want to treat. Well, you can do that, right? You can you can write a book on your journey and how it led you to cheerleading and, and how that's who you treat now. You can talk about all the, the ins and outs of cheerleading injuries and how you fix them, right? You can open up small practice that treats nothing but cheerleaders. You can have training outside of the, the clinic, right? That does like injury prevention, wellness type training for cheerleaders, right? You can host events on, you know, how to bring cheerleading into your practice and show other practices across the nation how to do cheerleading, right? And along the way, if you hit speed bumps and, and struggles and barriers, you can reach out to other people within your little circle of PTs or, or business owners that deal with cheerleading and ask them questions. Hey, how did you navigate this? Hey, I have this rule or this regulation in my state. How do I, you know, address that? How do I best handle that? Right? So again, it's, it's utilizing the network and realizing that there's some pretty smart people in the field of physical therapy, right? And, and education too, but you know, utilize those people, like go to them, ask questions. Most of them are more than happy and willing to share their time with you and, and, and their experience more than anything. And that, that really goes a long way. 
So, you know, that whole standing on the shoulders of giants things like we, you know, we literally are, and we can keep getting better at this year after year as, as technology improves. And as our, uh, you know, the world of social media and the internet makes things a lot smaller world, you know? Uh, so it's, it, it, it's possible it can be done, but you just got to think of how you can best leverage the degree to get to your goals and accomplish your goals. Yeah. Yeah. And I just want to add in there, uh, again, seeing the physical therapy profession and advocacy and fighting for Medicare cuts and all these things. And, um, I just, I would challenge folks out there to, to truly say, are you happy doing what you're doing? And, and if you're not, there's at least a hundred side gigs that are kind of related that check out, um, you know, the, the pteducator.com slash 100, the number 100, uh, we'll have that in the show notes. And, uh, and again, like- I, I call them side gigs and side hustles because that's my life. That's my truth. That's what I have to do. Right. I'll always need that nine to five because of the medical benefits. Right. We talked about that a little bit with my wife being a type one diabetic. We need medical benefits. So I need a good nine to five. Right. But it doesn't have to be a side gig or a side hustle. You can turn it into a full time thing. But I also like to look at it as multiple revenue streams. Right. It's just if you start a business, which is usually the, the answer to most of the questions that are given, what should I do? How should I handle this? start a business. At the very least, you're going to get tax breaks. From there, you can then add what really the side hustles become are are multiple revenue streams, right? So you're adding layers of revenue streams onto your business. So while they may be side hustles or side gigs, they can also be looked at as just different revenue streams that you're adding in and you're still keeping it under the umbrella of your business. So in in terms of the benefits, I actually want to go back to that for a second. do you think, to get, like you, were, you you mentioned earlier, in terms of you can make more money or you can save more money? You know, those are kind of the only two things you can do, right? So uh, at some point, does it make sense to, again, leverage some of the side gigs and do less of the nine to five uh, where you're getting, you're doing it for the benefits and maybe less of the love and, uh, you know, make a little bit more money doing some of your passion stuff and, and find a way to do that? I, I, don't, I don't have traditional health insurance. Um, my wife's an entrepreneur. She has her own business. So we both kind of uh, have different views on, on, I think, the healthcare stuff. We don't, we're not dealing with a chronic health condition uh, as of yet, knock on wood. Um, and, but, but yeah, in terms of the cost, I mean, I, I assume you've looked at that in terms of, um, so I'd love, to, I'd love to hear that, that side of it, if you, if you don't mind sharing. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not awesome. It's not fun. Uh, we've, you know, when I first uh, thought about getting out four or five years ago and just starting my own business, doing my own thing, I was like, all right, well, let's investigate and look we know it's going to be expensive, but how expensive could it possibly be, right? What if we were to pay for insurance for all four of us on the marketplace, find the most expensive, best coverage we could find, and let's just make that part of the cost of doing business, right? And when we did the research, it took us about a year, year and a half to like comb the the marketplace for all the possible options. And every single insurance company out there that had a policy would cover me and the kids like no problem. When it came to my wife, they were like, you might want to put her on like a Medicaid or something like that. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, do you know how that works with type one? Like Medicaid's not going to cut it. Like, good luck getting the, the good drugs, you know? So, you know, we, we tried, we exhausted just about everything. Even we were going to insurance specialists, you know, every, every month or so we'd meet a new one. We'd tell them our story. We'd try to get, you know, find us a policy that works and they just they couldn't find one that would agree to covering a type one diabetic. So, hmm. um, you know, or at least sufficiently enough to to you know what what we were trying to accomplish. Um, did, did you guys look into health sharing? We did, um, and the the problem with that. So, like, there's a couple of church groups that do like mm-hmm. uh, like buy-ins where you pay a monthly, a small monthly amount, and that 
that whole amount is pooled amongst yep. all the members, and then you 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 know from there can. Well, some of these are. That's actually what I have, uh, and it's it's a national organization. I use Liberty mm -hmm. HealthShare. So. Yeah, and 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 for people that are you know relatively young and healthy and don't have any chronic issues, it's great. Uh, for chronic issues, there's a whole nother health screen you have to go through. And, mm. and, you know, once they take you through that health screen, at that point, it becomes very limiting what you're allowed to do with something chronic like that. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, again, it, it's a pre-existing condition type issue. So they, they kind of limit what you're able to, to do for that. And, and, and again, we could live off the bare minimum of them just covering, you know, um, uh, insulin and pods and, uh, sensors, right. Mm -hmm. Uh, but the issue becomes the four or five ER visits a year that are mm. diabetic related, you know? Right, um, right. So you, you can't, you can't really account for those. And a lot of times they you. won't, they won't cover those. So I got you. And at the end of the day, coming back to the theme of the whole thing is you've been able to leverage your degree to uh, meet those demands or needs right. that, that are upon you. So, uh, you know, that's, that's something definitely, uh, that needs to be in that conversation. Uh, yeah. on, on and, and again, I, I love my nine to five. I love teaching, right? But but the teaching that I'm doing right now at, at St. Augustine is a flex program. So I'm only up on campus every other weekend or so for labs, which allows me the free time and the flexibility to do a lot of the side gigs and side hustles I, I've been wanting to do, right? And, you know, realistically, am I still putting in 40 hours a week at the university? P probably pretty close, you know? But, you know, I'm glad to work 40 hours there and then an extra 20 on my stuff because I love it. And it is a passion project and I would do it, you know, all day, every day if I could. So, you know, I, I don't mind putting in the extra hours knowing that I'm doing something that I love and that's, you know, hopefully benefiting people in the long run. Love it, man. Thank you for sharing all that. Um, I want to be respectful of your time and I think we'll uh, we'll wrap it up here. So any either closing thoughts or just let people know where they can find you? Yeah, I mean, again, my biggest takeaway is always just that, you know, your profession, whether it be PT or otherwise, should really only be the tip of your iceberg, right? I mean, we should be using our skill sets and our, our experiences to do so much more than just the clock in, clock out, nine to five therapist, uh, because we can, right? I mean, we're the only ones that have to give ourselves, you know, the, the permission to do that. You know, we've got the training, we've got the skills, we've got the knowledge, make it into whatever you want to be that's going to make you happy, you know, and go from there. And I think, you know, you, you need to be, you know, aware that, you know, it's not being different that you should be afraid of. It's, it's being the same, you know, it's being, being normal, if you will, being like, just like everybody else, like, you know, if everybody else is, is doing it, it and it's not working, then maybe we need to start thinking of those alternative options, right? What else is out there? Um, you know, and I think, physical therapy is a great profession for that because there's so many different specialties you can go into. There's so many different avenues and so many different ways you can leverage it that, you know, you, you picked a good field. You just got to problem solve now and figure out what to do with it to, to make it a win-win for everybody involved, all the stakeholders, the patients, yourself, you know, either your business or your, your employee or employer, um, you know, just finding what works for everybody. What's going to, what's going to give you the most bang for your buck. So, and then, yeah, if anybody wants to find me, I'm on, uh, all of my handles pretty much are at PT educator. You can find me there. Uh, PT educator.com is the website and then the books available PT educator student debt eliminator. And that's available on Amazon. So awesome. Awesome. yeah, man, we'll try to put uh, as many of those links into the show notes. I'm not always good at that. So if you send them to me, I'll put them in right after the show and, uh, we're going to wrap up on there. All he does is we and we and we in every single aspect of life.
Thanks, guys. Hope you got 1% better today. And that's how we're going to end it right there.